Welcome to the Bringing Her Hope podcast. I'm Bethany Bravery, and I'm thrilled that you are here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend on the podcast to share not only the story that God is writing for her, but the story that God is redeeming in her life. I don't want to be afraid every time I face the waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I cannot wait for you to meet each and every one of these amazing women who I know will inspire you to also live out the story that God is calling you to and to give you hope that He will be faithful to redeem your story as well. My guest this week on the Bring Her Hope podcast is Hope Darst. Hope is a wife and a mom and a music artist, and Hope dreamed of being an artist for 25 years and then laid that dream aside to pursue what God had called her to do, raise a family and serve the local church. I'm not going to be afraid. She never imagined that 15 years later, God would lead her back to her first dream of writing and releasing music as an artist. Through that journey, she learned that when we stay surrendered and keep saying yes to the current season God puts in front of us, He writes an amazing story over our lives. Hope, thanks for being on the show, friend. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Why don't you tell our guests a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, I live in Nashville with my husband of 15 years. We just celebrated in August. And we have two daughters, Olivia and Brooklyn. They are in the fourth grade and the sixth grade. And, you know, this has been my home for 20 years in Nashville. I kind of have never dreamed of living anywhere else, to be honest with you. (laughs) It was ever since I was little, I wanted to live here. And, you know, God made that possible. And so we've been doing life here. My husband owns a bunch of businesses here in the city and, we are members of a church called The Belonging Company, which is where I lead worship when I'm, you know, not out doing music and making records and all that kind of stuff. And I'm a songwriter, started late in life, didn't start writing songs in my 30s. And then this year, I signed a record deal at the age of 39, which just feels crazy and <laughs> it's just so weird, but also just that's the kindness of God in what feels like most of the time what would be when you are not doing something that new and different. And unexpected, um, but I'm really grateful to be on this journey. So awesome. yeah, that's a little bit about me. We are we are so glad that you are here, and um, hope we're talking today about that concept of surrendering our dreams. Right? There's so many things that we get so excited about, especially as little girls. I think that we're excited about who we're going to marry and what our house is going to look like and what our career is going to look like, what our kids are going to be like. And so I know totally. that you have gotten to kind of experience this concept of surrendering your dreams. So can you take us on that journey? Oh, yes. Surrendering. <laughs> that seems to be a big theme throughout my life and my journey. Um, one that I think I've navigated well in some seasons and not well in other seasons, you know, like mm-hmm. all of us. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I was talking to you before we started the show. I don't have a memory mm. of, in my entire life of of not being a singer and not wanting to sing. My mom, from the time I, she was pregnant with me, was praying over her womb that that child would sing for the Lord all the days of their life. Mm. And she didn't know if I was a girl or a boy. She didn't even know what that meant, honestly. She just felt led to pray for it. And she did, and it, it really marked my life. I think I truly believe God 
really put that on her heart for a reason. And so, you know, my first memories, I remember singing before I talked. I, you know, I just, it always marked my life. And by Mm -hmm. the time I was in middle school, like I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an artist, a recording artist and make records and go all over the world and sing songs. And at the time I didn't think about being a worship artist because I'm a little bit older. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I turned 40 this year in December. So you have to go back to like the context of where I was Mm -hmm. in the early nineties. Being a worship artist, being, you know, doing music and and being on staff at a church and that being a job, that really wasn't something that was modeled or seen. Mm. So we, you know, we only knew of actual just Christian artists. And even then it was kind of like Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, and Point of Grace was kind of emerging at that time. And it was a different world, just to be honest. And I didn't have a model in Christian music that kind of reflected how I wanted to do music. So I just thought I'd always go down um, a secular path and go be a mainstream pop artist. I just thought that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't really take much past that. (laughs) Um, But twice in my life, more than twice in my life, I've had these moments where I'm on a path and either life or God through a series of circumstances and just the, the Holy Spirit has redirected my path. Mm. And I thought at 19, I would go to college at Belmont in Nashville, major in commercial music, and then, you know, just obviously get discovered because I was in Nashville. Obviously. And (laughs) obviously, (laughs) you know, um, and instead my scholarship fell through Mm. and I couldn't go to Belmont. My family didn't have the money. And at the last minute I had to go to school where in state where they were living at the time, which was Louisiana. And so I went to Louisiana State University and I didn't want to be there. It was not a school that I wanted to be at. I knew I was called to live in Nashville. I knew I was called to do music, but life rerouted me. And to be honest, when I was in that season of life around 19, I really wasn't serving the Lord. Mm. I was a Christian. I was a Christian by technicality. I had prayed the prayer of salvation as a young child and meant it. It was genuine. But at 19, I was not living my life in a way that reflected the principles or the fruits of the Spirit or the heart of God. I was doing my own thing and was, you know, I had good fire insurance, basically, but I wasn't actually a a follower of Christ. And during that year and a half that I was at college, LSU, I was really struggling with depression. I had an eating disorder. Mm. I had years and years of insecurity and fear of man and identity wrapped up in, you know, someone else's approval and love for me. And, you know, the truth is anytime we build our life and our identity on anything other than Jesus, Mm. it is a sinking, it is sinking sand. And when a storm hits your life, it will fall apart. It just, it will not hold you up in the crises and the, and the hardships of life. And by the summer of, gosh, my, I think I was almost 20, um, my boyfriend at the time, who my whole world revolved around, and who also wasn't really serving the Lord either, um, he called off our engagement. Mm. Um, I was in a severe car accident, and my parents' marriage was crumbling under the weight of some just really difficult situations. Mm. And it exposed, it exposed what my house was built on, right? Like it exposed that everything in my life was built on things other than Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit and his word. 
And I ended up moving to Nashville in a moment of crisis just to live with some friends for a couple of weeks. And in that kind of month-long stay here in Nashville, I ended up at a church um, one night, just desperate, honestly, for an encounter with the Lord. And a man named John Rohr preached a message that changed my life. And it was out of the book of Daniel. And he just began to preach words that were like living water to my soul. And I remember going down to the altar and just being like, God, you have all of me. Mm. Like, you've only had a part of me up until now. And it hasn't worked out so great. So I'm giving you everything I have, every dream, every desire. Like, where you lead me, I will follow. And I didn't know at 19, that that prayer was going to mark the rest of my life and that I was going to have to live out where you lead, I will follow Hmm. so many times. Um, And that's kind of where it starts. Like that was the first moment of, of real surrender. I mean, obviously I'd surrendered younger when I had prayed the prayer of salvation, but this was like a marking moment where Hmm. I knew like, I think I'm setting myself up for a journey Mm -hmm. that (laughs) maybe cost me more than I really want to, you know, with the price that I want to pay. And it, it's proven to be true over the years. Um, at 25, I was newly married and thought I had been traveling at that point in my life from 19 to 25 was just a lot of odd and in jobs, serving at my church, kind of pursuing the record deal, but not really. Um, then traveling as a background singer for lots of different people doing lots of studio music and all the while just trying to be a good follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but by 25, Doris just had not really opened mm. in the music industry for me. I was always around it, but nothing was breaking open. And I finally, like, just had that hard conversation with God where you're kind of like, okay, so this has been my dream for as long as I can remember. I'm 25 years old. I have no college degree, and no door is opening. Mm. Like, in the natural, nothing is actually happening. So... God, is this really what you want me to do with my life? Like, I, I think this is what you've called me to, but I'm not sure. And I just felt so strongly in my spirit. I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, no, it's not. And I want you to bury the dream in the backyard of your heart. And I don't want you to dig it back up. Wow. And it was such a profound moment because I had a choice, right? Like, yeah. that's the beauty of God. He doesn't demand it of us. He just offers us. He gives us an invitation into his plan. Mm. But a lot of times that means surrendering our plan. You can't, you can't be on two paths at the same time if they aren't one in the same. And it was so hard. I mean, I can't tell you that thing. I mean, that moment where you're like, whoa, well, if I'm not going to sing, if I'm not going to pursue being an artist, this is the only dream I've ever had in my whole life. What else am I going to do? Mm. And did you question did, like, did you, sorry, did you question who you were? Like, was that wrapped up in your, in the most of your identity? I think I, I did question my identity some, I mean, I'll be honest, my real questioning of my identity and calling probably happened later again mm-hmm. at another moment in my thirties. This was more of a just like, I think I was still naive and young enough to be like, oh, it's all going to work out. Yeah. But devastated that I was going to have to like walk away from this pursuit mm-hmm. of being a recording artist. I just didn't have another dream. I, it was This was not a backup plan for me. This was plan A, B, C, all the way to Z. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember just going, okay, God, like, 
well, well, now what? And I didn't get an answer very at first. And I ended up just getting, um, I came off the road. I've been traveling as a background singer. I came off the road um, and got a little job at a bridal store and was selling wedding dresses and was serving um, in the choir at my local church. And there wasn't anything glamorous about my life. It was as hidden as it could be. And um, about over the next year, I started having dreams and passionate about the church that I was serving at and just being like, how can I help this worship department admit like on the administration side? That was like years when planning center was just coming onto mm-hmm. the scene and helping, you know, get worship departments a little bit more organized. <laughs> and I just found myself going, how could I serve my church in this area? Mm-hmm. Not really any other agenda, but just seeing little holes where I could step in maybe and just serve. That over the next year ends up turning into God really opening the doors and multiple churches, not knowing anything about what was happening in my own heart and in my own process, reached out and said, hey, would you consider coming on staff as a worship leader or the administrator for the worship department? And eventually my home church at the time approached me and I said, yes. And that became like my, my job and my passion from that point on until now. And I, I genuinely believe that redirection in ultimately getting me into my church and serving as a worship leader and on the worship department was one of the first pivotal steps in God rewriting the, the picture of the dream that I'd had. Because mm. I think I had, you know, it says we see in part, right? Yeah. Like I had seen in part what God had called me to do, but I very quickly, like, added a bunch of chapters yes. <laughs> to the story yes. without checking in with the author, honestly. <laughs> and this was a moment where I was kind of going back and going, oh, I think I saw in part, like I was meant to sing and I was meant to do music, but I wasn't meant to go be an artist. I was meant to be someone who was really invested in vocational ministry through music, a, a, a true minister of music. And you know, obviously that was a wrestle that took several years. It wasn't like an overnight thing, but the more and more I leaned into that and the more and more I settled into that, the more I knew that was what I was really called to do, to tell the gospel Mm. through the songs that I sang. But I wasn't a songwriter at the time. That was not a part of my journey. So fast forward, I'm 25 to 33. So eight years have gone by. I'm in this life of raising a family on staff at a church. I'm leading worship. I'm not thinking about being an artist. That's not on the table in my heart or my mind anymore. Mm. Um, And I get invited in my early, well, let me go back. I get invited around the age of 30 to start traveling across the country, leading worship at really big events, women's events, conferences, just different things. And honestly, at the time, it really just felt like a sweet gift just to be able to, you know, I was a new mom. I had two two daughters. And I was very much in that season where you don't feel like you are maybe the coolest, you know, or (laughs) feeling like no one's really going to ask you to go do that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you're not running with the cool kids. You're like deep in diapers and bottles and (laughs) baby weight that you cannot drink and, you know, just all those things. And so I literally remember going and like meeting the people that were considering asking me. And I was like, had to like pump in my car, run in, do the interview, and then, like, run back home and nurse my baby. Like, that's 
the season I was in. She was like eight weeks old, I think. And they invited me to come and do these tours and these conferences. And it was just such a sweet season. So I was juggling family life, being on staff to church, and also traveling and doing all this, all these events. And at the same time, my parents, for the second time, their marriage was in a really fragile place. Mm. And it ended up leading them down a road that they ended up getting divorced at this time. So I'm carrying the grief of my parents' divorce. Yeah. I, I said I just had a baby. I have postpartum depression. Hmm. I'm now in my 30s. I'm, I'm 31, 32. And I think in a normal pace of life, I'm, I'm questioning some things. I'm going, I'm, I'm a really good Christian. Hmm. Like, I'm, I'm a faithful follower of Christ. I'm committed in my marriage. I'm, I'm living my life intentionally for Jesus. But I'm struggling to have freedom in my mind, in my emotions, in my daily living. Fear is something I'm constantly struggling with. Lack, lack of, um, I, I still struggle with insecurity. I still struggle with fear of man. I'm still struggling with how do you process grief and loss and unforgiveness when someone you love and you trust really betrays that trust. I'm, I'm wrestling with mm-hmm. all of these. And I say all this because it leads me to kind of a crisis of faith and a crisis, kind of a dark night of the soul, if you will. And I was crying out to God. And I felt like God just said, Hope, I want to take you on a journey mm. of healing. Like, you are saved and you love me, but you are missing what I, the freedom that I want to offer you. And it's not going to come in all of the things that you're doing. It's going to come through you being willing to be vulnerable and surrender to my presence and become intimate with me one-on-one. Like we are doing peripheral relationship right now. And I want to do covenant intimate relationship with you like a husband so that there's fruit produced from that intimacy of your life. And it ended up, the reality of that was I ended up, my husband and I felt like one of the best things I could do in that season was come off staff. I stopped traveling. I stopped doing the events after about two and a half years. And I was in the middle of making a record. Because of all those events, I was needing a product on the table. And I was about seven, eight songs into making this record. And once again, that same voice at 25, the Mm -hmm. same voice that drew me near at 19, the same voice at 25 that asked me to surrender, pursuing a record deal, is now saying, I want you not release this record. Wow. This is your plan. It's a good plan. Mm-hmm. It's just not my plan. And what you think it will do is going to not happen. And you're going to feel fit. You're going to feel like I failed you. But if you'll trust me and you'll not release this record and you will devote yourself to years of just building intimacy with me in the hidden place, promise you that down the road, there will be a fruitfulness from your life that will actually do more than this one little project ever will do. Now, you got to understand, this is 2013. I have no concept of what 2020 holds. No. I have no concept that the, be- the belonging company where I'm part of the worship team there, that doesn't exist. Mm. Um, there's so much not in place. You also have to understand, in 2013, I had maybe written 10 songs in my entire life up until that point. So 
what ends up happening from 2013 to 2016 is three years of intense intimacy with Jesus. Of me daily, weekly, getting alone with Jesus, pursuing him with everything I had. And it was rich and deep and painful and messy. It meant standing in my kitchen sweeping and just crying and, and, and asking God hard questions like, why do I react in anger to my husband? Why am I short-tempered with my children? Mm-hmm. Why is so much of my thought life rooted in law instead of grace? Why do I feel like I should just be able to get everything right? And then I feel deep shame when I don't. I mean, it was deep processing. Yeah. And getting into the Word and playing worship music and listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, the things that I would say is probably one of the greatest shifts that I saw in that season is that I moved from thinking the Holy Spirit was just part of the Trinity. And I don't know if you grew up like me. I grew up with this theology of the Holy Spirit is like, he's a dove or he's a wind. And and with that, in my mind, meant he kind of comes and goes. And I never know where he is or when he's going to show up or how he's going to move in my life. And something shifted in this season where I began to go, well, if the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, then he is a person. And in order to have relationship with a person, you have to talk to them. You actually have to communicate. That's what marks the relationship, right? Like Mm -hmm. we think, think about your friends that you don't talk to very often versus your friends that you talk to every single day. It is, it defines, how the intimacy level exists in those relationships. And so I cultivated intimacy by literally talking out loud every day to God and and through through the Holy and talking to the Holy Spirit and asking, Holy Spirit, Jesus has left you here to be an encourager and a comforter and a revealer of truth. So I'm inviting you into my life and I'm asking you to speak to me. Hmm. So I'm saying all this because that's the journey that was happening in my life simultaneously while the belonging company, the church I'm a part of, was growing. And as it was growing, my pastors invited me to be a part of the worship team, which you got to know at that point in my life, I'm 35 and 36 years old. I think those days are old, mm-hmm. are gone. I'm not, I'm thinking I'll probably never lead worship again. I'll never do music again. And yet in this season of absolute hiddenness where no one knows who I am, no one cares who I am. You know, I'm, I am just a mom trying to work through my faith and, and show up and heal and be free in Christ. That was the goal of my life, to have a healthy marriage and have a healthy heart and be a healthy parent. Um, and I get invited into the worship team. And as I begin to lead and I begin to be a part of this community, it feels like God just begins to open up a place in my heart again that I thought was forever gone. And through that team, they started writing songs, and they invited me into the the writing process, which, again, I was not a songwriter. That's not Mm -hmm. what I did. And one of the very first songs that we ever wrote, I I honestly think I need to go back. It it had to have been the second or third song that I wrote in that process this season was Peace Be Still. And even then, in 2016, I didn't know what it was going to be over the next four years. And so I just kept writing with my worship team. I wasn't a recording artist. I wasn't a songwriter. I was a a stay-at-home mom who was writing songs 
for my own heart and my own journey of healing and freedom. I wrote PC still because I was still battling with insecurity. I was still battling with fear of man. Mm-hmm. I was battling being really insecure about songwriting, funny enough, <laughs> <laughs> because that was still an area that God was working at in my identity and, and, and moving me from a place of like what you do and your talents and your gifts are not, they don't give you value or devalue you. Yeah. They are just expressions of a way to tell the world about who I am because I put that gift in you to showcase my glory. I was still working that out. And so long, so I, de- I gave you the long story, but what ended up happening from 2016 to 2020 is that God really did take all of those years of hiddenness and all those years of intimacy And all those years of surrendering and saying, I'd rather never be known if that's what it takes to know you, Jesus, in a way that my life will actually be fruitful in the everyday mundane. I want to know that when I I stand before you in eternity, that you will look at me and say, you took the narrow road when it was hard. Mm -hmm. You were willing to be unknown and unseen in order to make me known and make me seen. You were willing to surrender when it would have been easier to just grab the baton and keep running. Hmm. And out of that was birthed song. And and God, in his hilarious timing, <laughs> decided, you know, at, and at the top of, kind of at the middle of the top of 2018, the middle of 2018, Doors began to open. Remember when I was talking about earlier at 25, it was like not a single door is opened, no matter how many I've tried. Fast forward 12 years later, I'm 37, almost 38. It's 2018. And I, doors are opening that I'm not even knocking on. Mm. Doors are opening so fast and so exponentially uh, like the quantity of the of doors that were opening, I couldn't even keep up. I didn't even know what was happening. And one by one, God just brought people into my life that were going, confirming over and over, like, I think God is asking you to maybe step back into this place of making music, which sounds crazy to me. Because, you know, I'm like, God asked me to walk away from this several times. Yeah, he told me to bury it, so. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I really, I really was like a Gideon for quite a bit of the time. Like, okay, Lord, well, someone tells me on Monday that it's you. And then on Friday, no one says anything. (laughs) I so wanted to know, God, this has really got to be you. Because I had really wrestled that thing down. And I really didn't desire that anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I love songwriting and I desire to be a part of putting music in the world, but I wasn't sitting around trying to like drum up a record deal or make a CD. But, you know, eventually my husband had great wisdom and he said, I think the same obedience that it's taken you so many times where God's asked you to walk away from something and you have that same obedience is going to have to show up now in this season where instead of away, you have to walk into it. Wow. And it was such a reversal of obedience and faith for me. And eventually I, at the top or at the very end of 2019, after literally over a year of really praying and, and allowing to be confirmed so many times, like not just once, not just twice, but a lot of times, um, we decided 
that I would sign a con- a record deal in the top of 2019. And then we released Peace Be Still as a single while we were still making the record. The record came out just back in August. But, you know, when we released Peace that was before the pandemic. That uh, hold, was hold on. Any of 2020 Hope. happened. Hope, let's start it. For some reason, it cut out right at that last moment. So um, you said, oh, two, sorry. no, you're fine. It said 2020. So if you want to back up just a little bit, Robert, will you yeah. pull this part out? Just back up like just a couple sentences, probably. Sure. Yeah. So at the top of 2019, or sorry, at the top of 2020, I signed the record deal. We released PC Still as my first single in February and you know, I go on to make a record that I just released um, this past August. But when we released PC Still in February as my first single, that was before the pandemic happened. Mm. We had no idea that we were going to be releasing a song in 2020 that was going to carry it the weight yes. of what every single person in the world would be dealing with. And it was it was something that for me was so kind of God and such a confirmation that we really were stepping into what God had asked me to do because that song was four years old. I wrote that song when I was dealing with fear, when I was dealing with insecurity, when I was dealing with anxiety. And what happened was I chose in that moment to partner with God's promises and allow those promises to speak life over my mind and over my heart when I wanted to give in to the feelings of fear. I wanted to give in to the feelings of disappointment and anxiety, but, and I have done, I have given in to them many times in my life. But in that moment, that day when we wrote the song, we chose to fight fear Mm. with God's promise of peace. And I think there's this quote that says, when you write songs from a place of revelation, you lock up that revelation or that encounter in the song and then when the song is released into the world, you release that encounter and that in that revelation for every single person that hears the song. And for me, it is such a beautiful kind of like cherry on top where God was going, what you didn't understand all those years before is that the journey that you had to go on, to, go on the weaving and the winding and the surrendering and the, and the hidden season was going to forge something in me of what I believed about God Mm. and what I believe about His Word and what I believe about His promises that I've been able to now put in song and release to the world that I hope is actually the fruit that I feel like God talked to me about when I walked away from that record. Because the truth is, fruit, when your life bears fruit, it means that it should be a life that others can eat from, that you aren't just a life that is just only for yourself and about your glory and about what you're getting, but that you offer something to the world that they can eat of that is full of the Word of God, the living water of God, the hope of Jesus, and that His promises are as steadfast as they can be, that they never change. And I'm so grateful that it took me 20 years Mm -hmm. to get here. (laughs) You know, 19-year-old Hope would have been all about herself and I would have just wanted to be seen and I would have just wanted to get the glory and I would just want people to look at me and think she's such a great songwriter and she's such a great this and it would have fed my ego Mm. and this season of life this my my 39 year old self my 40 year old self I could care less if people think I'm a great singer or a great songwriter 
I want people to actually hear my songs and hear my records and go, this draws me back to Jesus in all of the places where I think there's distrust, there's hopelessness, there's fear, there's worry, there's anxiety, that the record and the song are fruit of God is in my own life that now other people can draw from and other people can eat from. And I hope at the end of the day, the thing that they fall in love with when I release music is Jesus, Mm -hmm. not me. Because I can't offer you the hope of Jesus. He only, he can do that. I can tell you about the hope of Jesus. I can be a witness to the hope of Jesus. But at the end of the day, he's the only one that's worth putting your trust and your hope in. And I found that that's been true my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so... Gosh, that is amazing, girl. Amazing. Um, okay, I've got, I've got no, it is so good. It's, I'm like got 10 pages of notes here and I'm like, okay, let's figure out which ones we want to go through. Um, so the first one that's on my heart is let's speak to the woman who feels like mm. God has given them a promise and they are fixing their eyes on him, but they are not seeing anything like you mentioned in the natural. What mm. would you say to her today? Ma'am, it's such a hard, I think that's such a complex subject, right? Because mm-hmm. we can dig in the Bible and we can literally see two different paths, right? You have Hannah yep. who wanted to have a son and goes and petitions at the foot of the father over and over and over and over. Right? She just won't relent, right? And... Eventually, God gives her a son, Solomon, and I'm saying those characters, right? It's Hannah and Solomon, yep, yep, right? Yep, you're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get nervous when you like, yes. say a Bible character and you're like, wait, is that right? <laughs> um, and, and you see in that that the no is not where she's supposed to, like, abandon ship, right? Mm-hmm. You have so many of those pictures. Abraham, he's, it's a credit to him as faithfulness that he did not stop believing in the promise that God gave him. You, you have this picture, right? But you also have on the other side the Davids and the Joshuas. David, he was an anointed king when he's very young, but doesn't actually step foot into the palace. There's discrepancy, but it's, it's close to maybe 15, 20 years mm-hmm. if he ever steps into the palace. You have a Joshua who literally has dreams as a young boy and doesn't end up seeing those dreams fulfilled for many, many decades. So we see both, you know, in the Bible. And all I can say to that is, I don't know which journey you're on. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're on the journey that says, I am supposed to wait and believe and not give up. Or if you're on a journey that's going, I'm going to see hardship and I'm going to see setback and I'm not going to know which one it is, right? Yeah. What I can say is that God He is one that gives us the desires of our hearts. And I do believe he is a dream giver. I do believe he he puts dreams in our hearts. The tension is we can't make the dream our God. Yes. Amen. The dream is only meant for you to be able to be a reflection of the image of Christ and the hope of Jesus in your own life. If at any point the dream being fulfilled becomes your God. It's the thing that you love the most. It's the thing that you're putting your trust in. It's the thing that honestly is your identity. The lack of the fulfillment of the dream starts to make you question the character of God. Mm. 
then you have slipped in to an unhealthy place. And now the dream is honestly in an, it's in a distorted wrong position. And I don't know that it's a, it's a straight line, Bethany. Yeah. I think it is a, it's a curving road that is constantly about you being so tethered to the heart of the father and being more committed to knowing his voice and following his voice, no matter where it leads you. If it's leading you in what feels like you're moving forward or it leads you in what feels like you're moving backwards, trusting God is in the journey with you, his voice can be trusted, and he will never lead you down a path that ultimately isn't for his glory. He just won't. Yeah. And so it is something that's deeper. It's not about the dream. It's about the nature of God and do you trust it? And every time God asked me to do something, whether it was walk away or step into, it was a confrontation of, do I trust the nature of God here? Hmm. Do I trust that he is who he says he is, that he is for me, that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, that he has given me a hope and a future and it is not to harm me, right? Like, yeah. do I believe that scripture or not? And so I know that's not like probably a it's not like a tied up bow answer because I think it's more complicated than that. And I think it's the journey of trust, Mm -hmm. you know? And if you see, cause here's the thing, doors closing and doors opening are not always indicative that it is God. So true. So true. You have to test them. You have to test those things against the word of God. You need to ask for confirmation. You need to bring it. If you're married, bring it to your spouse. You need to bring to your pastors. You need to like, Invite people into the process of what you're thinking God's speaking to you, and then be a good steward of it, right? Mm. Like, if you feel like God's calling you to write a book, then you should be journaling every single day. Yeah. If you're not even journaling, well, I think it's a pretty far-fetched leap to think you're called to write a book. Hmm. If you're feeling like God's called you to be a baker and own a restaurant— are you baking? Are you taking lessons? Are you baking food and bringing it to people and seeing if they love it? You, there are good litmus tests along the way um, to see if that's something that's viable in the natural. But uh, most of it is just going to be, are you close enough to Jesus that you can hear what he's saying? Mm. I love that. And do what you can do. And then trust that God's going to fulfill the rest of it. I, I love that. I love, yeah. I love that. That is Awesome. Um, one thing that you mentioned was you said when he was wanting to take you to this hidden place for a while that mm. he said it's not going to come out of what you're doing. And it sounds like, you know, it sounds like, you you know, you're a mom. You've been a worship leader like you were you were juggling mm-hmm. a lot of balls at once. And I, I find to be <laughs> yeah. like in a similar personality to where it's like when I feel like I'm doing, then I'm like, well, maybe Jesus then <laughs> will answer yeah. this prayer. Like maybe I've earned it enough. And oh, so yeah. what what has he been able to change in you for that perspective when it mm-hmm. wasn't about your doing anymore? You know, there was this moment kind of halfway in the journey where I realized I had built an economy system with God and without even realizing I had done it where I had been kind of, I know I didn't know I was doing it, but every time I felt like God was asking me to take that narrow road, right? Mm -hmm. Like when it was walk away from this or, 
you know, do this, or even in the small little things, like just the everyday things, right? Like, you know, I know you want to be the one that's going to get that solo, but why don't you give it to someone else? Like, just it doesn't even matter. So I'm, I'm going to think of like a random thing. I've been building this economy up. Every time I say yes to God, that's obviously I'm kind of like depositing that in a bank account. Mm-hmm. And eventually I'm going to get to draw on that and God's going to say yes to me. Yeah. And it was a moment of realizing I've been doing that in my relationship with Jesus. Okay. So every time I obey you and every time I do the right thing and every time like I follow the commandments and I'm doing, 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 then eventually you're going to do right. Mm-hmm. And it was such a confronting moment because I'm going, how entitled of me to think that Jesus owes me. Hmm. He has already laid his life down for me. He has already paid a price of sin that I'm never going to be able to pay. And the confront, like the confronting of that, that I think Honestly, in our Western thinking, we tend to think that following Christ is going to mean that Christ is going to give us a good life Mm, and that us doing a good job being a Christian, that's going to be the reward, that we're protected from everything, that we don't experience pain, that he's going to heal every single sickness and disease, that all of our kids, they're never going to know pain, we're never going to know pain, our bank account is always going to be full. this gets into our thinking. But what Christ actually says is, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this life, you see Jesus say, take up your cross Mm -hmm. and and come follow me and daily die to yourself. Like, he says that we will be mocked and persecuted and martyred for our faith. And I think in a lot of other parts of the world, they see this more prevalent in their everyday life. And I'm not saying that because of that, we don't believe also the same scriptures like I referenced, you know, Jeremiah 29, that he's promised to give us a hope in a future and not to harm us. I think we have to live in the tension of those two things in this life of, I believe that we can have heaven on earth, but I also believe we live in a fallen earth Mm -hmm. and some things we're not going to see until we are returned with the Father in heaven. And so in this space of life, we have to be willing, or at least it it made me realize, do I love Jesus and I follow Jesus because I want to get good things? Or do I follow Jesus because he's a good father? Yeah. And I didn't at first, but I have made the decision to say, it's going to be well with my soul no matter what the path looks like. It's going to be well with my soul no matter if I find myself in lack or I find myself in plenty. If I find myself in prison or I find myself in the palace, my God is the same, and he deserves everything I have all the days of my life. And he doesn't owe me anything, but the fact that he is a good father means he gives us more than we deserve. Mm. And we find ourselves often walking in the abundance of a God who doesn't owe us anything, but just loved us like I love my kids and wants me to have more than I actually have earned or, or, or have the right to have just out of his generosity and his love. Hmm. 
Absolutely. Okay, so Hope, I'm going to change the question a little bit from what we talked about okay. prior prior to um, us starting this episode because I feel like I hit the age that I want to lean into. So if you could sit Ew. down with your 19-year-old self, what would you say to her? Mm. I mean, I think I would say kind of a little bit what I was talking about earlier, like make sure that you love the dream giver more than you love the dream. Mm. and And probably also like, It'll be worth it to do whatever God asks you to do. Like, don't fear that seasons that feel like setbacks, right? Mm-hmm. That feel like, man, how in the world is this going to get me to where I believe God's called me to be? Mm-hmm. That you, I wish my 19-year-old self would have just been able to trust. Like, this is all going to be okay. Like, you're going to find that being in love with Jesus is going to become the most important thing to you. So if you could figure that out now at 19, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to save you. <laughs> it's going to save you a lot of heartache, a lot of failure, a lot of mistakes. You know? And yet, at the same time, you know, I love that God's so kind that he makes good. He really does make good of all the things we get wrong mm-hmm. and all the places that we mess up if we're if we're willing to go on the long journey with him. I love Eugene Peter says it's the long road of obedience mm, so that true. leads to a beautiful life. Like it really is. And I wish I'd known that at 19, you know, I wish yeah. my 19 year old self would have been so willing to just be like, okay, all the stuff that I think needs to happen in my life. I'm just going to be about you, Jesus. I'm just going to love your word and love your presence more than anything else in my life. You know, I think, my life would have been maybe less less of a curvy road. <laughs> but then we wouldn't be having this conversation today. So I kind of like right? it. <laughs> Isn't that the irony of it all? <laughs> so like, true. That's, that's where God makes good of it. Like he makes, he really does make beauty out of ashes. Yeah. I mean, he really does. His mercies are new every morning. And he, you know, great is his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad he's God and not me, man. Absolutely. I would have just, in my thinking, would have, mapped out the most perfect life. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, and yet God knew, you know, I think talking about Joseph earlier, one of the things that I love about his story is that when he was really young, we see him talking about his dreams nonstop to Mm -hmm. everyone that would listen, which isn't that so true of our younger selves. We just, all we talk about is, oh, I just, I dream doing this and being this and seeing God fulfill this in my life. And I can't wait till I get to do and and yet, that got Joshua in trouble. Mm. That got Joshua thrown into a prison. And really what it was a sign of was his immaturity, yeah. that he really was obsessed with the dream and in love with the dreams that mm. God was giving him. But he hadn't moved into a place of maturity of knowing, actually, my first love should be for the one who gives the dream. Yeah. And you find that later in the back half of the story, when he's in the palace and he has all this authority and this reign, that his dream that he was given all those years back that he had maturity with, immaturity with when he was talking about it, he now has maturity from a life lived in pits and prisons and now in a palace. And isn't it funny that in the end of his life, he recognizes that the dream was for others. Hmm. Maturity is able to look at the dream on your life and recognize this isn't about me. Hmm. This isn't for me. 
this is for others, and this is for Jesus to be known and seen. And that's why he was able to save a country from famine, why he was able to cover his brothers. You know, it says that he told his brothers that they couldn't go back and tell their father about him because he didn't want to bring shame to them. How beautiful is that? That, like, in his maturity, he was able to cover people, protect people, honor people. I think that that's what happens when you choose to fall in love with the dream giver, God Mm -hmm. himself, over the dream, is that you come into a place of maturity and you can recognize dreams aren't about you Mm -hmm. and putting the spotlight on you. They're about putting the spotlight on Jesus. And I think that that's where I met in this phase of my life, where I, it's taken two decades, more than two decades to get here. Mm-hmm. So clearly I was not a fast learner. <laughs> <laughs> but now I go, this is about others. Yeah, This is about getting to tell every single person about Jesus and how much I love him and how good he is and that you can trust him yeah. and that he will be faithful in your life. Come hell or high water, no matter what you face, I promise you, in the end, you'll look back over your life and you'll go, he was there in all of it. Mm -hmm. He was with me in all of it. He made good of the most wretched decisions I made and the wrecks that I made and the messes that I made and still made good of my life. And good doesn't always feel good or look good according to what the world says, but it will look good and it feel good according to the word of God and the promises of, and the principles of the kingdom of heaven. And that's the economy I want to live in. That's the good I want to live in. And so, yeah. I love that. I think it's fascinating to me because when we are in that place of surrender, especially when it's a season and we do feel hidden, I think one thing that I've learned in that season is more and more that oh my gosh, in my weakness, he makes me strong. And I think if we were so (laughs) focused always on the dream itself and how we can accomplish it and what steps we need to take, you know, 1.1, 0.2.3, it's like we then would fall because we aren't equipped to do anything without him. And so when we get to know his character, you know, when we get to see his faithfulness, then we're ready (laughs) to say, okay, we'll take on whatever. Cause we are like a child, right? We're like, well, we trust you, Jesus. If you call us, we'll do it. Not because we feel like we're amazing and wonderful, but because we're like, wait a minute, we know who holds our future. We know who calls us and we know who equips us. So, oh, I love that. I love that. There's this book, I can't think of the title or the author perfectly right now, but it's basically called, I think it's called The Hidden Years, maybe, Mm. and it's all about the life of Jesus and that the first 30 years of his life were hidden. Yes. And I think about that. We literally say, we know that our life as followers of Christ and believers is what? To look like Christ, to be like Christ. Mm -hmm. And yet we fight the process of hiddenness. Yeah. Yet Jesus himself lived years of hiddenness Mm. because in the end, when it was time for his ministry to be known, his ministry was about the cross and the father and the reconciliation of sin in our lives and being restored unto the father. Mm. And that's how we should look at our lives. Our lives should model Jesus that we are willing to stay hidden until we, our ministry can only be about the message of Jesus 
and the reconciliation of our lives to him through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So true. That's it. Amen. Amen. I think you're not just called a singer. I think you're called a preacher, girl. Like I said, like halfway through, I was at 10 pages and now I'm like flipping them over (laughs) into a double sided. Uh, I think it's just because I'm old. No, girl, we are like very similar ages. Okay. I'm 37. So we are very close. Yes. So I understood like growing up in the 80s and all the things that you mentioned. That's that's hilarious. Um, are you like who was your most favorite '80s singer? Oh my gosh, Do you have one? I'm trying. It was probably Amy Grant. I remember having a lot Ooh, of her yes. tapes. So yeah, she was she Thanks. was probably probably my person that I listened to. But oh my gosh, this she was definitely one of my favorites. Yes, um, I I literally could talk to you for another two hours, but I have hey, to respect your time. <laughs> we'll do coffee virtually. <laughs> Actually, you're yeah, you're in I Nashville, have, right? And yeah. I have carpool. Like there probably you go. Half the women listening. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, you're in Nashville. My brother actually lives in Nashville, so I'm gonna have to Where? look you up. He lives in Tennessee, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have we to. We are in Nashville. Yeah, we'll have to figure out live... some way to connect. Yes, we actually live in actual Nashville. A I lot of people say yes, they live in Nashville. I've heard that. So do they. They live in actual but Nashville. They, like, they live in like Fruitwood or Franklin. And yes. like, no, I'm in real Nashville. Yes. I live in Davidson County. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. I, I, I've heard that many of times. Is our do you yes. really live in Nashville? That's hilarious. So Hope, yeah. um, I know that, oh my gosh, like every person is going to want to connect with you, follow you. Um, how can they do that through social media, your website? What are, what are those links that we can give them? Okay. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I think I have a YouTube page. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> I still don't understand how YouTube works, to be honest with you. Um, and then you can also find me at hopedars.com. I have a website. And then my music is available everywhere that you can find music. Um, if you're old school, like my mom and no offense to anyone listening but if you want to like or you're just old school and you're like a lover of like hard copy cds and want liner notes um it's available on my website the hard copy cd and then i think possibly amazon um but yeah perfect i'm in all the i think normal places that people are now (laughs) whatever that means i love that um it is i am so pumped about this because not only is Hope shared all of this time and wisdom with us, but she is also going to do an album giveaway with her new album, Peace Yay! Be Still, which we're so pumped about. So, girls, you know what I to do. It. You can go to bringingherhope.com and enter, and we will let you know if you are a winner. Hope, this has been such a joy. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for your transparency. Oh. Uh, I'm so glad that we got to be a part of your story and your journey, and we're going to be thank rooting you. for you and praying for you because I know God's got so much for you still. So. Thank you so much. It was such an honor and such a joy to talk to you today. Absolutely. I loved my conversation with Hope, and I'm sure that you guys got so much wisdom and knowledge from this amazing woman of God. Oh, man, just the concept of surrender. I know in my own life over the last couple months, one thing that I've been doing is walking around this field. And um, as I do that, I'm listening to worship music. And I feel like one day that Lord was like, Bethany, will you surrender? Will you surrender everything to me? And I was like, yes, Lord, of course. And, And he was like, why don't you start naming exactly what you surrender. So I would say, I surrender my home and I surrender my family and I surrender my job. And 
uh, you know, just started listing all these things. And so then I went back the next day and I felt like he said, will you do it again? And this has been going on for, like I said, a couple months now where it's just this daily speaking what I surrender. And um, for me, it has been just this posture of, Lord, whatever you want to do, however you want to redirect my life, please do so. And that can be a scary prayer. Um, scary in the sense that my uh, faux self of control over my life um, might get stripped down, but trusting that on this adventure with Jesus, there is so much more. And I loved what Hope said is that our stories are not about us. Our stories are about how God can get the glory and how it can reach the multitudes, right? And I lastly wanted to close on her reminder to us, as we always encourage you to step into the story that God has for you. I loved this, and I could not say that I loved it more. She says, my first love should be the one who gives the dream, not the dream. That is some true wisdom. My first love should be the one who gives the dream, not the actual dream. I'd encourage you today to carve out some time to talk to the Lord, to get intimate with Him, to tell Him your thoughts and your dreams, and then have this surrendered posture. And then tomorrow, I encourage you to get up and do it again. Friends, this is a daily choosing. This is a daily relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I just want to say thank you for sharing your time with us today. Remember, if you want to enter for that awesome album giveaway, Peace Be Still, you can do so at bringherhope.com. And just want to let you know that we can't wait to share another story of God's redemption next time. But until then, you keep living those brave stories. I don't want to be afraid every time I face the waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid And I don't want to fear the storm Just because I hear it roar I don't want to fear the storm I don't want to fear the storm
Take a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor of the Bringing Her Hope podcast, Friends of Hope. Friends of Hope is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to the support of Christian radio, Christian events, new media, and activities that share the good news of Jesus Christ. So thanks again, Friends of Hope, for sponsoring the Bringing Her Hope podcast so we can continue to share more brave and beautiful stories of God's redemption. 